people who are loyal to W will go to new destinations just because a W hotel has opened there. And I think, you know, that's really what you want is brand fans who believe that, you know, oh, I never thought about traveling to Punta Tanita in Mexico, but W's there. So clearly it's going to work for me. Welcome to Behind the Stays, a podcast that shares the stories behind your favorite Airbnbs and the hosts who've made them memorable. Behind the Stays is brought to you by Spontaneous, a free weekly newsletter that brings you a carefully curated list of last minute deals and upcoming steals on Airbnb. Sign up at spontaneous.com. I'm your host, Zach Buzicruz. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody, I'm pumped to quickly tell you a little bit about StayFi, our sponsor for today's episode. StayFi makes it easy to collect data from and market to every single person staying in your short-term rental. StayFi lets you create a custom-branded Wi-Fi splash page, which is similar to what you might experience when logging onto the Wi-Fi network at your favorite coffee shop. This means that you can collect the name, the email address, and the phone number from every guest staying with you, not just the one who booked, because who doesn't need to use the Wi-Fi, right? You can learn more about StayFi in about 15 minutes from now, or pause this episode, head on over to StayFi.com. Be sure to use the discount code BTS at checkout for 50% off your first three months. Oh, and if you haven't already listened to it, check out episode 47 of Behind the Stays, where I interview Arthur Kolker, who is the founder and CEO of StayFi. He's a smart dude. All right, on to the episode, but again, If you want to quickly snag the deal, head on over to stayfi.com and be sure to use the code BTS at checkout for 50% off your first three months. In just a moment, you'll meet Katie Klein, creator of Trout Landing, a luxury short-term rental in Lake George, New York. While new to the STR space, Katie is no stranger to hospitality. Katie comes from a background of luxury hospitality PR, having worked for brands such as the Ritz-Carlton, W Hotels, St. Regis, JW Marriott, Edition, and Le Meridian, in both New York and in London. In this episode, Katie and I discuss what STR hosts who are designing, building, and hosting luxury stays can learn from some of the most highly regarded hospitality organizations in the world. We chat about how the communication tone and style differs within Marriott's luxury collection. We talk about some of the most noteworthy experiences Katie had while working in PR, how she's applying her learnings from Lux Hospitality to the building of her own hospitality brand, and some lessons that she thinks STR owners and operators can learn learn from luxury hotels. All right, without further ado, folks, get ready to meet Katie. All right, Katie, we are live. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Thank you. I'm doing great. How about yourself? I am doing much better. I know that we were exchanging some emails about the fact that my five-month-old son got his first fever uh, a couple yeah. days ago, and it's been a little bit of a cluster since. Um, <laughs> but thankfully, he's doing better. Uh, we got everyone got good sleep last night, so I'm yeah. feeling like a like a million bucks and just excited for for our chat today. Yeah, I am a mom of a one year old myself, so I totally get it. Though 
on the opposite side, she was actually at my husband's mother's last night. So I also got great sleep last night for hey. the first time in a while. <laughs> <laughs> well, cheers. Cheers to great night's sleep. Um, it's one of those things that you just take advantage of, but, or, you know, uh, before you have kids. Um, and um, all of a sudden, the, these beautiful humans come into the universe and then you realize, like, can you actually function without, you know, for me, it was like, I needed eight hours always, but I, mm. I, I, I'm shocked. I am just shocked at how resilient, like the human body is like the fact that you, you make it work, you make it work, you make you know? it work and, it, and they make it worthwhile. Like they make your heart just grow. So yeah, we're tired, but we're happy. Right. <laughs> yes. True that, true that. Um, well, we could talk about kids and parenting all day, but I am really excited to have you on the show, Katie, because you have a, a really cool story and you come from the the hotel world and you've worked with some of the most well-known luxury hotel brands in the world and you work uh, in PR. And so I'm just really excited to, to learn from you, quite frankly, to ask you some fun questions about things that you've learned in your career so far. Now you're venturing into the STR space for the first time. You've got your first STR up and running. And so I've got loads of questions for you, but I thought it would be nice to just start by hearing a little bit about like where your career in hospitality really begins. Yeah, absolutely. I started my career working in PR for a fashion designer. And as you can imagine, that was an absolutely incredible experience. But throughout my time there, I really realized that I loved traveling and I loved working with my international teams more than maybe I actually loved fashion itself. Huh. So I started to think, you know, what, what should I transition? What should be next for me? And I did have a minute where I, I really considered becoming a pilot. Really? And then I thought, okay, like an airline yeah. pilot, like an airline pilot, an airline pilot. Yeah, absolutely. And and then I thought, you know what, maybe because I do love PR and marketing so much, maybe I could just do this, but I could do this for a company in, in the travel industry, an airline or a hotel brand, for example. So I started interviewing uh, with a bunch of different travel companies and, and each time I would get this, but you haven't worked in the travel industry before. And of course, like a good publicist, I, I had my answer ready to go. Um, and, and each time it just didn't seem to matter, quite frankly. And, and then one day I saw my dream job posted. It was with Starwood Hotels, looking after global PR for W Hotels and La Meridian. And I went to that interview and I had my answer of, you know, why they should hire me, even though I haven't worked in travel before. And actually the hiring manager kind of waved me off and he said, no, no, we actually love that you come from a different background. We, we really prefer to hire people from a diverse uh, set of, of work backgrounds. Wow. And we see that your, your experience in fashion as an asset to this role. Um, and luckily I was able to get that job, but really just him and him saying that sets the tone for, I think, why Starwood was so successful with branding and marketing and PR. Yeah. Um, and I worked in, in that job for a handful of years and, and it was as good as I hoped it would be probably better. Uh, I, I traveled around the world opening luxury hotels and um, doing brand partnership launches and, and large scale renovations and whatnot. And um, then one day we woke up to an email from our beloved CEO saying he was stepping down. And, and really that was the beginning of the end for Starwood, unfortunately, that yeah. was when the acquisition process began. And, you know, after a lot of back and forth with multiple suitors, Marriott hotels came out on top. And while it was sad, of course, to see a company I loved being disbanded and yeah. to say bye to workers that I really respected and learned from so much, 
you know, it was also pretty incredible for those of us who got to stay because first of all, we had a front row seat to one of the largest M&A deals in the industry. Yeah. Um, secondly, we became a part of now the largest hotel company in the world. And personally, for me, what was most incredible is I was able to move to London, which had been a lifelong dream of mine. Um, so um, I'll always be grateful to Marriott for that. Wow. Wow. What a... What a cool story, and and what a, what a sort of like just quite frankly fun job, right? Like I I know a few people that work um, not necessarily in in travel, but in PR and in other spaces, and the amount of like like it's an incredibly stressful job, right? Um, and but the but the amount of really cool sort of new opportunities that you get because right really like what you're helping manage right is is public relations is is communications right is hey all of a yeah. sudden this thing happened and you are the person that they call to respond right, right. and and you right. have to work with your team to figure out like how are we going to respond to this you know this crisis or this this public embarrassment yeah. or you know or this huge yeah. opportunity whatever it is so incredibly stressful but at the same time it's got to be just like packed with like adrenaline right because you you yeah. also get to do something new probably every day or, or sometimes even like multiple times a day right right yeah it is it is fantastic i mean also for me what i was missing in the fashion industry is my job became talking about travel all day mm. and you know speaking to travel journalists and travel influencers i mean is there nothing easier to talk about than, oh, you know, I went on safari here or did this there. It's just such a, a kind of great equalizer, whether yeah. you have a luxury vacation or, you know, you, you did something that's only a few hours drive from, from your home. At the same time, exactly like you said, the crisis component is very, very real. Um, it was probably one of the most dynamic parts of my roles at both Starwood and at Marriott. You could imagine any crisis that happens in a human life has happened in a hotel will happen again in a hotel. Yeah. Um, and it really comes down to how do you handle that? Not only in the moment, but then looking at the long-term potential brand repercussions that could come. Yeah. So I want to hear just a little bit about, cause, cause when I hear, so I, I have a background in growth marketing and, um, you know, we, as growth marketers, uh, we worked with some PR people and, and the relationship between at least us and the PR people was always complicated, right? Like it, was, it wasn't necessarily like a, a chummy relationship. It was like, hey, we want to do this really cool thing. And then the PR people, somewhat somewhat with like wearing their legal hats, if you will, even though they weren't the legal team, would be like, mm, I don't know, like, let's cut this back and let's do this instead. And I always looked right. at my PR colleagues as sort of like, you're just like the fun squashers. You're like you, you like you just you just freaking won't take any risks, right? Um, which is not which is not true uh, of everybody and and whatnot. But but at the same time, like I am curious, what what were some of your actual responsibilities? Like were you, were you in charge of big brand campaigns? Were you mainly on the kind of crisis communications and management side of the side of things, or or what did your uh, I, I guess sort of like you know the bullet points uh, beneath your job description actually look like? Yeah, both. And I think both Starwood and Marriott structured it quite similarly, similarly in the sense that um, for the fun stuff, I would say we were the fun ones for sure. And we worked hand in glove with our marketing teams. Nice. I mean, they wouldn't have had success without us and we wouldn't have had success without them. And what I loved most was those spirited debates, which was one of us had an idea and the other one's like, well, that's not going to work for me because of X, Y, and Z. And then we would work together. And always at the end, the outcome was way better than what one of us came to the table with in yeah. the first place. So you know, for example, when we were we wanted to launch 
um, new bedding for W hotels. And we were partnering with EcoCycle, which is Will I Am and, and Coke's collaboration to take reused, recycled uh, plastic bottles and turn them into fabrics, right? Oh, wow. And so you had like the operations guys or the legal guys who are our fun squashers being like, well, how are we going to get this out to, you know, hundreds of hotels around the world? And how are we going to operationalize it? And we're like, yeah, but it's a great story. Like, you know, wouldn't it be so cool if we could do it? So it was always kind of that push and pull dynamic of how can we work together to do something that the media are going to care about? Because for us in PR, that's really our goal at the end of the day. How do we get journalists to write about us? And as you know, different than marketing, we're not paid, right? Yeah. We're not paying them for the space. We don't control their words. And that's why, you know, you've, you've talked a lot about the power of, of reviews on this podcast. That's why I think editorial coverage still matters to people, because if you have a journalist that you know and you trust, you know that they're not paid to write something. What they're telling you is their genuine opinion. So, yeah, yeah I think that was a lot of the fun. But on the other side, we did have crisis communications responsibilities. And even though on the brand side, we might have focused on, you know, at first when I started, it was two or three brands. By the time I joined Marriott, I was looking after the eight luxury brands. Yeah. Um, on the crisis side, we would look after the entire portfolio. So with Marriott, that's 30 brands. Um, and crises would happen, you know, usually on a holiday weekend at 6 p.m. on a Friday, and you need to take care of them in the moment. We had James McAvoy uh, posting on social media about how there was a fake website claiming to be the Ritz-Carlton Obama that he almost wired a thousand pounds to for a family holiday and then going on his social channels to warn his followers, don't fall for this. So, you know, on the back end is me scrambling with our digital team, seeing how we can work with legal to get that fraudulent site taken down and, you know, what we can do to remind the media about how, you can tell it's genuinely a Marriott website, which is, you know, number one, we'll never ask you to wire us money. Yeah. (laughs) So so it really spanned spanned the gamut of, you know, really fun, cool, interesting partnerships with tastemakers down to, you know, the the operational um, side of crisis communications. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very cool. All right, guys, I got to interrupt the episode real fast to tell you this fun story. So last year, I was staying at an All Belonco property. Amy from All Belonco is a friend of the podcast, and she welcomed my wife and I into one of her beautiful homes in Lynchburg, Virginia. So as I typically do, within 30 seconds of walking into an Airbnb, I flipped open the guest book to find the Wi-Fi info. And friends, what followed was unlike anything else I had experienced at a short-term rental. When I clicked the network, a beautifully customized landing page that was all Belonco branded popped up asking for my name, email address, and phone number. Similar to what you might expect when you log into Wi-Fi at your favorite coffee shop. So I entered my info and then was greeted with an equally beautiful thank you page that featured a collection of other All Belonco properties and was automatically emailed a discount code for a future stay at one of Amy's properties. Now, the marketer in me realized that this was probably Amy's way of ensuring she captured my contact info so she could communicate with me later, but I was happy to give it because the whole experience aligned with similar experiences I've had logging onto networks other than my own. Now, what I didn't realize at the time was that the platform powering this whole experience was StayFi. StayFi is the secret tool that the best short-term rental hosts use to capture guest contact info and start marketing to them with easy-to-use email and texting tools. 
StateFi enables you to collect the contact info of every single guest staying with you, not just the one who booked. For me, the whole experience of using StateFi really solidified Albalonco as a brand, as a business. It might sound silly, but had I not experienced their brand in this fashion, I never would have thought to look for their direct booking stuff. So if you're looking for a super easy, very affordable and frictionless way to increase the robustness of your guest data and ultimately increase direct bookings, go watch the StayFi software demo at stayfi.com. And when you're ready, you can sign up for StayFi at stayfi.com and use the discount code at BTS for 50% off your first three months. And if you chat with anyone on the team there, be sure to tell them that Zach from Behind the Stays sent you their way. All right, folks, back to the episode. So I, I, I'm curious to hear a little bit more about, you know, even within the context of the Marriott portfolio, right? Like how how different brand, how you thought about sort of representing different brands. Um, I, you know, you've worked for St. Regis, Le Meridian, the Ritz, right? You've, 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 you've yeah. kind of touched, as you just mentioned, Marriott's uh, eight luxury brands. Yeah. How does how does Marriott or, or how do how do the teams that that uh, help take care of and, and market for these respective brands? How do they how do they think differently about communications if all, if at all like are are there sort of like core strategic differences is there is it pretty much sort of the same thing we swap out some adjectives here and there right to describe the our rooms or whatever it is or or how how might how does communication vary depending on sort of the brand that you're representing Yeah I think the first most important thing is we spent a lot of time understanding our brand and really crafting what makes each brand specific. So what are the brand passion points? You know, what's the target market we're looking to appeal to, even down to the brand colors or how we do or don't use the logos. And I think W Hotels is a great example of this. And what I really learned from working on that brand is a brand should not appeal to everyone. Hmm. You should have a real visceral reaction when you're experiencing a brand, which either says to you, this is for me, or this is definitely not for me. And I think it's the brands that try to appeal to everyone that become watered down and become exactly what you just said. We just swapped out new adjectives, but it could literally be 20 other hotel brands that are out there on the market. And there are a lot of those, right? And they serve a purpose potentially, but but they don't make you want to stay because of the brand. And people who are loyal to W will go to new destinations just because a W hotel has opened there. And I think, you know, that's really what you want is brand fans who believe that, you know, oh, I never thought about traveling to Punta Tomita in Mexico, but W's there. So clearly it's going to work for me. So I've got to go there. The other thing I think we we spent a lot of time talking about was unique selling points. And this was not only for the brands, but also for the individual properties. Yeah. So if you think about like the St. Regis, for example, when we opened in Venice, you want that hotel to feel like Venice. Hmm. You don't want to feel like you're at the St. Regis, New York or the St. Regis Maldives. But there do need to be those standards that come through that make you say, yes, this is a uniquely St. Regis experience. So yeah. something that St. Regis does is, I don't know if you're aware, but actually the Bloody Mary was created at the St. Regis, New York many, many years ago. I had no so idea. Very yeah, cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, very, That's a fun yeah. fact. And you, yeah. You can visit the King Cole bar in the St. Regis, New York and have the, the classic Bloody Mary. And so something that the team does when they open a new St. Regis around the world is 
what is that hotel's signature Bloody Mary going to be? Mm. So they'll use different ingredients, you know, maybe more floral if you're in, you know, the tropics or, you know, different types of local ingredients that will come through. So it's just something that really brings that red thread of, of St. Regis through. However, it's really specific to each destination. So that's just a, a tiny example, but I think it's really important to understand what is unique about that hotel. And so we would spend a lot of time before a hotel opened um, visiting comp sets and, you know, different hotels in the areas, eating at bars and restaurants and trying to understand what is the destination? Yeah. What do you need to have in order to be, you know, in that destination? But also what do we have that other people don't have? And then we'd come back to the conference room and, and really kind of dive into that as a team. And then that would really be, where we'd ladder all of our marketing communications back to. And I think about that a lot, even with my short-term rental now. Um, our, our house is called Trout Landing. Um, it's in Lake George, but we're not on the lake. So what is our unique selling point? Well, we're on over six wooded acres. We're really enveloped in nature. You yeah. can hear birdsong in the morning. So of course, we're bringing that through in our marketing and our social channels, but also how we did the design too, bringing in the woods and the dark greens and things that feel more wooded versus maybe the kind of navy and white that you would get in a more nautical vibe if you were actually on the water. Yeah, yeah. I this is this is so good. And I think like to to our, to our listeners, one of the things that's kind of happening in the industry right now, at least for for a segment of folks is people who are really interested in kind of building these like unique collections of stays and and yeah. now there's like this kind of like okay hey how do we partner with other unique collections? Like what would it look like right. to take, you know, to have like a an a-frame alliance, right? Where you right. find the best A-frames and you have people partner and you, you know, there's, there's a way to, in the same way that you might have, you know, you might be part of a, a loyal star alliance, uh, uh, member for your flight or one world or whatever, whatever your airline alliance of choice is, right? What, how, how does that sort of translate into the context of short-term rentals? It's an incredibly difficult problem to try to tease out for lots of reasons. And we'll save yeah. those reasons for another time. But I think like at the core people that are interested in sort of expanding their brand or bringing their brand to other to other markets the the big question a lot of folks wrestle with is like how how much do i want to make this feel the same as my collection in i'm just going to pick on uh, isaac french who does live oak lake i talk about him way too much probably but uh live oak lake in in waco texas if he wants to go and, and recreate this like mini sort of luxury villa escape that he's created there in shenandoah virginia for instance mm -hmm. right what what aspects of the Live Oak Lake brand should it should it be Live Oak Lake and then you know Shenandoah should it be an entirely different brand like how do you how do you wrestle with those really really important questions and so perhaps right. one of the lessons here for our listeners is like hey look at how Marriott does it with its various uh, luxury brands think yeah. you know un understand a little bit about their approach to opening a a, a new Saint Regis or opening a, a new mm -hmm. W hotel how do they strike that balance um, because at the same time, like the people that are traveling to these hotel brands, that there is a level of consistency, right? That people expect, right? So you don't want to make it feel too different. If I'm staying at, you know, a W in, in, in a new location versus the W in Barcelona, like that I first fell in love with. Right. So it, it is just an, a really important question to, to wrestle with. I'm curious, are there any additional sort of like one or two, uh, points you, you'd, you'd make, uh, in, in that, in that lane around how to sort of discern uh both being unique and 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 true to the destination but also staying really 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 true to to the core brand itself 
Yeah, I think um, you had the guests on from the 100 collection, and I'm really intrigued to see what they do because yeah. it's the first time that I've heard of almost like a soft brand in the STR space, right? Yeah. And soft brand, if you think of like autograph collection or the luxury collection from Marriott, all the hotel groups have them now. And, and really why that came, and you've talked about this in the past, is these hotel companies are mostly asset light, meaning they don't own the actual physical real estate anymore yeah. because obviously that that is you know very expensive to do so they work with owners and operators and franchisees around the world and you know for luxury collection as a perfect example we opened an incredible hotel hotel de berry in paris which used to be the former townhouse of elsa schiaparelli i mean there's wow. nothing more parisian than that wow. right but then also the luxury collection has the gritty palace in venice and you know fantastic hotels in the seychelles and whatnot and it's if you're in those three destinations, you don't want that same kind of old school box hotel that, yes, maybe all has white linens now, thanks to Weston when when they changed that many years ago, but um, and, and good Wi-Fi. But you want to feel like you're in the destination. And actually, this is where I think Airbnb and STR is like, we have the upper hand here. We are able to make you feel like a local versus when you're walking in and out of a hotel lobby. So I do think it will be interesting to watch this space and see, you know, what is that kind of gold star that maybe like the relay and chateaus of this world mm. that if you're part of that collection, people can trust that I'm going to get clean linens and great Wi-Fi and all the kind of standards that, that you'd expect at, you know, the, the hotel component, uh, similar. Um, but you know, you're going to feel like you're in whatever destination you're visiting as well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that. Ah, oh, that's that's really good. Hey guys, it's Zach. If you're enjoying this episode, could you do me two very quick favors? First, this show is possible thanks to a handful of incredible organizations who've signed on to be advertising partners of Behind the Stays. It would mean the world to me if you'd take just a second to scroll down to the show notes and go learn more about this episode's sponsor. Even if you aren't in the market for agency support or a new PMS at the moment, it never hurts to be aware of who else is out there. And second, if you're listening to this episode on Spotify, could you be so kind as to give Behind the Stays a five-star rating? And if you're on Apple Podcasts, could you submit a quick review and let me know what you love most about the show? I know it seems trivial, but these things really, really do help us grow the show. And just a reminder that if you've ever got feedback from me on how to make the show better, shoot me an email directly at Zach, that's Z-A-C-H, at spontaneous.com. You all really are the best. I love receiving your emails and DMs. All right, so check out the sponsor and leave us a rating and a review, please. All right, guys, back to the show. This is just a selfish question because I, I, like, to, I like to consider myself somebody who was like I've always loved to travel and I've always been intrigued by hospitality, but it really hasn't been until like the last couple years that I've even like understood that, oh, you know, Marriott's not just like one hotel and, you know, the yeah. St. Regis and, 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 you know, the W are, are part of its club. Like I, I literally had no idea until like the last year yeah. that, you know, how, how this business works. So this is just a selfish right. question, but how often does, how often do Marriott's like luxury, uh, uh collection of hotels, like how, how often do they compete? Uh, with, with each other like are do you guys see a lot of bouncing between people that are at the w that also like to stay at the ritz are, are they very distinct kind of like personas and if so how like how, how how do you guys think about that yeah i think before the acquisition most hotel companies would have 
brands that would tick each kind of box, right? Yeah. So maybe Video Hotels was for your kind of younger party or millennial. And then you'd have St. Regis, which was more for your families, but all within that kind of luxury space. And then you obviously have different budget tiers. So you have budget brands or, you know, upper upscale and whatnot. Then you had Marriott acquire Starwood. And, you know, obviously a lot of our brands were competing with each other. That's yeah. why they were designed that way. And I think what the, what the company did really, really well was say, okay, one of the first things we're going to do is reposition all of these brands. It doesn't mean we're going to change them, but it means we're going to really get very specific and intentional about which slice of the market we own. But then at the same time, people aren't linear, right? Yeah. We're, I'm not just Katie who parties, right? Yeah. Or Katie who's a mom. We have all different needs and wants depending upon where we're traveling, who we're traveling with. Yeah. When I'm on a business trip, I might have different needs than when I'm going away for a girl's weekend, than when I'm traveling with my husband and my daughter, yeah. or when I want to go with my dog. So I do think what we're seeing was maybe not as expected at first is a lot of cross-pollination. So, you know, when I'm uh, going away for a girl's weekend, I'm maybe going to the W in Barcelona. And, you know, when I'm taking my daughter for one of her holidays, ideally I'm staying at a St. Regis because I know that they'll have certain kids amenities there that will just make my stay a little bit easier. Yeah. Um, with yeah, yeah, it, it's so interesting that you um that you you mentioned that last part about kids. As we talked about at the forefront of this conversation, I'm you know a new dad, and my wife and I were just in uh, Portugal, and um, we were staying mostly at a short term rental in um, in the Algarve region, but we spent like a couple nights in Lisbon. And I knew like it was going to be stressful because we were flying overnight. And like, I, I was like, I want to be sure I didn't want to stay in a short term rental because most of the time you can't check in until like three or four o'clock. And we were getting there at, you know, 9am. My kid wasn't, you know, he probably wasn't going to sleep on the plane. And so I knew like I wanted to stay in like a nice hotel where we'd have the opportunity to possibly check in early or at the very least be able to kind of like drop off all of our bags. Right. So I was doing some research and, um, you know, found, found a few. Um, but then there was this, this at least new to me, um, hotel that I found called, uh, uh it was, is it part of the Corinthia collection uh, or Corinthian? I think, I think it's Corinthia. Yeah. Um, and I, I think they, they're relatively small, but anyways, the, we, like we walk in and like immediately they had the, this like perfect scent that, I mean, it would, the lobby was absolutely beautiful. They came, they obviously, you know, took our bags and whatnot. And then they were like, Hey, you know, we checked cause I had put in our flight, uh, I guess, uh, details and whatnot. They're like, Hey, we knew you were coming in. We got everything ready. They had like a crib waiting in the room. They, you know, and I was so, I was so glad because I had looked and actually what sold me on this hotel to begin with was in their little promo video on their website. They specifically feature kids and they show kids mm -hmm. like bouncing on the beds. Like, and you know, my right. son, not bouncing on the bed yet he's five months old but like what that told me i was like okay i'm gonna get this luxurious beautiful experience which i want and i know my wife wants but they're also not gonna like hate me for having a kid right and it was right. like literally yeah. that promo video that i was like you know what this this is the winner um over over yeah. the you know the others i was considering and so to your point it is just interesting as, as life change happens too, and or depending on the type of trip, what you're looking for, right, might still yeah. be at that same sort of, you know, luxury level, but the brand that you end up deciding to go with could vary depending on how that brand positions itself as either being like welcoming towards exactly. kids or not. So it's just interesting. Yeah. I think you've touched on so much in that one story alone. One is, you know, for W Hotels, that was a brand that was started in 1998. That was never intended to be a luxury brand. It was when they were essentially like, you know, let's paint the walls black and turn the lights down and the music up and like, 
you don't have to leave the club. You can kind of stay. <laughs> and it was really because it was, you know, one of the first kind of boutique brands of, you know, this world that it drove prices up because people liked it so mm. much. Right. And as, as you drive prices up, consumer expectations start to shift at the same time, the people who were partying and, you know, having the loud music and staying out till two, three, 4 AM are maybe now having children yes. or just in different parts of their life. So we're seeing a lot of guests who still want to stay with the W brand, but want to bring their kids. You know, I think people probably like you and I, just because we have children doesn't mean we're going to stay at like the bad children's hotel with like <laughs> reheated pizza for dinner and the kid club to drop your kid off and never see them during your vacation. Like that's not really, we haven't changed yeah. just because we added a, a new human to our brood. So I think there's a lot happening within that space. I also think you touched on like surprising and delighting. That mm. is something that's so crucial in the hotel world. That's something that the Ritz Carlton has really wrote the book on. Um, and actually something that I learned while I was working for that brand is employees are given a small stipend that they're able to spend on something that's really special for a guest. So something for myself, when I was traveling a lot for work, I have two nephews and this is before my daughter was born. So every time I would go to a new destination, I would buy a postcard and I'd write them a fun fact about the destination, trying to instill that love of travel into them. Yeah. And, you know, I'd always kind of test a hotel when I'd go up to the front desk and I'd say, can you mail this to me? And you'd get varying responses of no, or uh, you need to go get a stamp or we're going to chart. We'll put the charge on your on your bill. Your room, yeah. But oftentimes at Ritz Carlton, it was just, yeah, sure. We'll, we've got this for you. And they would use the stipend to buy me a stamp. Or, you know, if they heard a, a little girl was in town for the ballet, they might buy her a little ballet um, stuffed animal and leave that in her room and a note from the ballerina. So those are, that's why we travel, right? Yeah. We travel for the experience. We travel for the memories, for those moments. And I think brands and, and even for us on a small scale for STRs, if we can really deliver those experiences that matter, to people they're going to return and they're going to talk about us yeah. to other friends yeah yeah uh well that's a beautiful transition right I, I i do want to understand a little bit more about the story behind why you decided right to to get into short-term rentals like where where yeah. does that story begin and then i've got loads of questions around how you've thought about taking your experience in in this adjacent world and applying it into yeah. this new context yeah. Um, so Lake George is the place that I got introduced to from my husband when we first started dating uh, nearly 15 years ago. I'm from Long Island originally, so I was very uh, snobby about the idea of a lake. I thought that's <laughs> disgusting. Uh, if you've ever been to the beach on Long Island, maybe I don't necessarily have the place to stand to be judgmental. But anyway, we went and I was just blown away by by this lake. First of all, it's, it's absolutely massive. It's gorgeous. The surrounding area, the nature and the water is crystal crystal clear it's just absolutely stunning wow and over the years we we came up here camping every summer we'd bring our dog as well and what i really liked about it throughout the years is it hasn't changed too much in the sense that we've seen certain areas especially around new york city get that kind of brooklynization if you will yeah um and oftentimes unfortunately what comes with that is you know higher prices than you know a potentially a bit more snobby experience. What I think Lake George does well is you're seeing really wonderful bars and restaurants and coffee shops open here, but it's still really laid back and really friendly and personal. So it was always kind of, you know, the pipe dream that you talk about of, oh, one day, wouldn't it be nice? And yeah. 
you know, similarly within the hotel world, we all always talk about like, oh, one day I'll have my hotel and I'll do all the things that I wanted to do here, but I couldn't <laughs> do for you know probably good reason and whatnot. So there was that, that was kind of how the idea was planted. And we were living in the UK for about five and a half years. Um, and unfortunately, my mother is uh, very sick. So we oh. decided that we wanted to move back to the States, uh, especially after my daughter was born. Um, and I was spending some time on Zillow as we were planning to move back, not for a full time home because we we knew we would go back to the city, um, but just kind of dreaming. And I, I started looking a lot in Lake George and saw this specific house uh, probably around October of last year. And I just thought it was perfect. I mean, you needed to see past the lace and the floral bedspreads, but it, <laughs> gosh, if you could just, you know, rip all that away already, the, the bones were just beautiful. Um, and one night my husband and I were talking about it and we were like, well, what would we call the house? And it's on Trout Lake Road and it's in Bolton Landing. So my husband actually said, what about uh, Trout Landing? Yeah. Thought, what a great name. It we is. snagged the Instagram handle. And then the next day it went off the market just in, in true, uh, in true form. So there was an all cash offer that they had accepted. This was right before Thanksgiving now. And I had thought, you know, Oh, we're right before Thanksgiving. If it hasn't gone yet, surely it won't. Um, so it went away, but I didn't get rid of the Instagram handle. And I just always thought, I think it'll come back to us. And luckily enough, the deal fell through, um, right after Christmas. Wow. And we had moved back on January 30th by, uh, sorry, on December 30th. And by January 3rd, we saw the house by January 4th. We made an offer that was accepted and kind of looked at each other like, what are we doing? We're biting off so much with the international move back and yeah. all, everything we had going on. But it, it has been just a labor of love. And it's been such a bright spot in you know a challenging time and really fun to just think about the ways that we approached hotels and how could we do that with our short-term rental. Yeah. So, yeah. Ah, that's first and foremost, I am so sorry to hear about your mom. Having a sick family member is it's just, it's never, never easy. Um, so, so, so sorry to hear about that. And really hope that you guys get just loads of time to just be, to just be together and, and like create memories, especially at, at Trout Landing. Um, but, but we actually celebrated my daughter's first birthday here. That was, oh, really? of course, in hotel. Our soft launch in my head, uh, but yeah, it was just wonderful actually to first of all, of course, have my family together and, and get to experience the space, but also to see how people were going to use things and yeah. see you know what break or you know what things aren't positioned in, in the right place for guests. So I think that's an important thing we've learned from hotels as well. We would always have kind of soft stays before we'd actually open, whether it be just hotel associates or family members, but like come in and test things and tell us what's working, what's not, and how can we fix it before we get the real guests in the door. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And uh, you know, that seems like such a basic thing and yet not enough people do it. And you can't just like, I, people always just bring like their like best friends. And I'm like, look guys, my recommendation is don't just bring your best friends. Cause your best friends right. are going to be very forgiving of you. Right. You gotta, yes. you gotta bring those friends that like, you're like, oh gosh, like you, you kind of like anytime the text comes in about like getting together for dinner and you're like, Oh, do we really, <laughs> I don't know. Like bring them, it might be busy you know, <laughs> yeah. have them come stay where there's, you know, there's, yeah. there's a relationship there, but like hopefully they'll, they'll be honest because I, again, yeah. at the same time, like it, it's so hard when you're, 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 you're so focused on making the place perfect. You're going to forget, you know, the lemon squeezer, or you're going to forget like the knives, uh, you know, or, or you're going to just overlook something that is, that is simple, but like also super, super important. Um, exactly. I, I, I am curious, Katie, to hear just a little bit about 
What are what are some observations around hospitality that that you've learned uh, working in hotels that you know like beyond a reason like you know for sure we're going to have this as part of our experience whether it's communication with a prospective guest whether it's uh, an amenity that you offer to to all of your guests that's you know surprising what what are some things that you will absolutely kind of carry over into this into this new venture yeah i think first it was about design and actually i feel so fortunate to have had friends who work in the design world of hotels who i actually called up during this process showed them pictures you know a fantastic friend of mine who's still at marriott to this day and while i was at starwood i worked with them on different pr angles about how when you design for a hotel or a high traffic space there are different things you need to be thinking about particularly because we know guests aren't treating a hotel room or a short-term rental the same way they're treating their home. Yeah. Conversely, they want it to feel residential, right? So yeah. how do you make that blend? And she was just fantastic in giving me some, some really kind of obvious but important insights, whether it was number one, paint is your best friend. I mean, the, just we painted every single wall in, in this property and that alone changed everything. Um, secondly, she really talked about fabrics. She was like, hmm. think about leathers or textured fabrics, anything that is too kind of flat is going to show every little uh, change or, or error that happens to it. And there are going to be a lot. So you don't want to do that. Um, obvious ones like in the dining room, you know, at home, I have fabric dining chairs. I wouldn't do it here. You want something that can be wiped down. You want to make sure that the, the items you're putting in the kitchen look and feel wonderful, but that you can replace them easily. Like wine glasses are going to get broken. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to ding a guest for breaking a wine glass. I've been that guest a few times. <laughs> so <laughs> unintentionally, of course. So how can we make sure that, you know, people feel comfortable um, and stay and, and even things like, you know, she said, think about uplighting, you know, can you uplight hmm. behind plants and just add some moodiness to yeah. that. So that was really important. Um, the second thing I'd say is with Limeridian, we spent a lot of time thinking about the welcome experience. And I'm not going to get this quote exactly right, but we had done some research that said essentially guests form an opinion in like 48 seconds upon arrival, right? Mm. And so all everything we were doing was how can we make sure those like first 48 seconds are amazing because we all know it sets the tone. If the yeah. tone is set well, you're forgiving and you're in a good mood. If the first thing you see is, you know, something that's unclean, or broken or, you know, not what you felt was represented to you in photos, you're going to start off looking for all of those errors along yeah. the way. So yeah. we spend a lot of time thinking about what is that kind of welcome amenity for our guests. Um, I was just at a local winery tasting wines with them yesterday because I want to make sure it's a local experience. But having that bottle of wine, we've created a really nice tote bag so people can carry things to and from the lake. Um, obviously, your coffee is your tea is, you know, making sure it's really high quality, um, having really luxurious lake towels that people can use. Um, we are pet friendly. So I've bought specific towels for dogs and bowls and a cute little local dog treat and things that will just make their dog feel welcome here yeah. as well. Because as much as we love our kids, People and, and myself included, we love our pets yeah. too. They, I, I consider my dog my firstborn. <laughs> so <laughs> those, those types of things I think are, are are super important to think about. And then even just how we communicate before they arrive, um, we've put in smart locks. Uh, nothing is worse than fumbling around and trying to find a key, particularly yeah. if you're arriving at night. Um, also for us, you know, we're people who don't really like interaction with owners. We kind of want the space to feel like our own. So I just love that people can arrive, pull up, key in, and they're here. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I love it. 
Last minute cancellations suck. And that's why we built Ping. Ping makes it easy for guests to be notified when their favorite Airbnbs become available. Ping is a simple widget that lives on your website or your direct booking site and allows your fans and followers to sign up and be notified if their preferred dates become available. Here's how it works. Jimmy sees that you're booked the whole month of October, but he wants to be notified if any three-night window in the month becomes available. Jen is a returning guest, and she wants to be notified if any week in June, July, or August becomes available. In a matter of seconds, Jimmy and Jen fill out the simple form, and they will be pinged if the requested dates become available. And as a host, you will immediately get pinged via email with Jimmy and Jen's contact information and requested dates, which enables you to build up your own database of guest email addresses. Ping is what the best Airbnb hosts use to maximize bookings. You can get access to our beta pricing with plans that start at just $39 a year at bnbping.com. Again, that's bnbping.com. One of the things that that I was curious about too is you know in uh, just I was just scrolling through your your listing again and uh, re- refreshing my memory because I thought this was true, but you guys have this like gorgeous like stone fireplace. Um, that's sort of just like, yeah. like this big centerpiece. And, and I'm curious, like, was that, how, how influential was that in sort of the purchase of, of the home? Because to me, that particular room, uh, it, it looks like it could be like the lobby of like a boutique hotel. And that, and, and that's why when I, when I saw it, I was like, oh, okay. Like this, like that, that was literally my first impression. Um, and so I, I, like how, 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 I guess, how have you thought about sort of the, the various as, like aspects of the home? What, what, what was like the selling point for you? And sorry, I, I, this is not, it's not intended to be a leading question, but I, I kind of framed it as such. Um, well, I will happily take the compliment first of all. So thank you very much for your kind words. Um, but you're right. It was it was probably the selling point for us. Yeah. Um, what you see now with the kind of dark green on either side wasn't there. It was just kind of off white walls, but and bad furniture and you know lots of florals and whatnot. But you could just <laughs> see, wow, that is that is something special. Yeah. Um, and it's funny that you bring it up specifically because as we were renovating, of course we wanted to keep it and you know make sure it was the centerpiece. But we actually thought about graywashing it a bit to make it a bit more not modern but a bit cleaner and yeah. whatnot. And we were. Re- sold on that for a minute. And this is where I think it is so important to really get under the hood of your destination. We spent so much time up here in the quote unquote off season, you know, visiting local restaurants that were still open and just driving around the area and getting used to things. And I kind of had this aha moment once when we were driving around the lake, when I saw these essentially Adirondack stones everywhere. And I thought, what are we, what are we doing? Like, we can't, we can't paint that. And my husband was kind of always on the fence. He was like, I'm not sure, but you know, if you really want to, okay. And I said, I don't, I don't think we should. And he said, yeah, I don't think we should either. And and we're so happy that we didn't now because it feels uniquely Adirondack and that's what you want. And so everything in that space was really about how do we make that fireplace sing? So you'll see, you know, it's even, it's strange to call it a chandelier because it's really just pieces of wood coming down, but that's the lighting picture in that space or the leathers and the plants that are coming through. And uh, we have some quirky books like cabin porn and top hikes in, in, the U.S. around yeah. it. And it really is all just like, how do we focus on this fireplace and make it a space that people want to gather around in the winter? And actually, um, just a few days ago, we finished building an outdoor fire pit for the same. Because oh, nice. when, when it's summer, you want to be 
in the Adirondacks, you always want to be around a fire. In the summer, you want it to be outside. And in the winter, you want it to be inside, of course. So yeah, yeah it, was, it was definitely the selling point for me. Very, very cool. Um, well, yeah, and it's 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 beautifully done. And it's cool to see what you guys did. I feel like a lot of times you look at these, um, at these like renovations and, you know, people kind of take a really ugly home and they make it into something super modern and super clean and super beautiful. And I feel like right. what sometimes happens is sometimes you kind of lose the character of the original home. Yes. And, you know, yeah. I, I would argue that like some guests really care about that. Others, others don't. Right. But right. if you are trying to be sort of true to the space and the place that you are having sort of like a super, super like a modern, you know, all glass box in the, you know, in the right. middle of Lake George is, is, is not quite representative of, of Lake George. Right. And so I feel like <laughs> exactly. just from the, from the photos, you, it, it looks like you guys struck this like really great balance between like making it contemporary and modern and feeling, feeling like a luxurious experience while also sort of retaining sort of the, the soul, if you will, of, of the place, which is a really hard balance to strike. Yeah. And even when we were looking at properties, you know, just in the kind of dreaming stages, there were a lot of houses that looked kind of just like a cookie cutter suburban home. Nothing wrong with that. Absolutely beautiful, you know, decor and, and whatnot, if that was your primary residence. But to me, when we travel, we want to feel like we're in the destination. Yeah. Right. And so that was that was really important for us is like, how do we make sure that like, you know, you're in Lake George when you're here at the same time, if you search you know, Airbnb or Verbo in this area, there aren't a lot that, you know, strike this balance of kind of modern and upscale, but very Adirondack. Yeah. You have a lot of just very Adirondack. So yeah. it's a little too heavy on the wood or too much plaid, or um, there's this gorgeous, gorgeous house nearby that has like statues of bears everywhere. I mean, on the roof, on the the highlands, like it's just everywhere. And, and I get it. Like you want to feel like you're here, but I do think that there's a balance you can strike that makes a really beautiful space still Adirondack. Yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping that will be um, one of our USPs. I, I love it. I love it. A um, couple final questions for you, Katie. One is just around like growth and, and whatnot. So you come from the hotel world. You're very familiar with luxury hotel brands. Um, and specifically, you, you know, you had a front seat at the one of the you know, most significant mergers and acquisitions in the space, right? Like, you, you know, you, you've probably thought about sort of, of growth in some capacity for, for your own brand. Um, but how, uh, how how do you think about sort of like what the next few years look like? Like what's what's Katie's goal? Do you want to build a luxury collection of short term rentals? Do you is is uh, Trout Landing just kind of like, hey, this is a, a one and done thing? Like, how do you how do you think about sort of the future of, of what what you're what you're after, what, you, what you're interested in doing? Yeah, I think the short term the, sh the short answer is I don't know yet. Yeah. Um, this has always been a dream to get to this point. And my husband and I talk about this year as very much test and learn. So, you know, it's from, you know, what are our most uh, profitable times, our peak seasons, how far in advance are our guests booking? What are people liking? What are they asking more for? Even what we're hearing from a lot of people is they're coming to town and they're going to go to Saratoga race course while they're here. Hmm. You know, that's about a 35, 40 minute drive in my city brain. That is a completely different trip, right? Yeah. That is so far away. That's not what you're here for, but I'm hearing it from multiple guests. So, okay, maybe now I need to think about that as, as a selling point or how can I cater to people who are going there? So I think this year is very much about test and learn and, and see how we go. 
you had a, a great guest on on the podcast who talked about, you know, running the numbers in terms of worst case scenario. Yeah. And we talked a lot about, you know, what, okay, if no one, if no one rents this, what, what's our kind of our, our plan. And, you know, yes, it's, we can cover it on our own if we had to, and, you know, probably never vacation anywhere else except for this house. But <laughs> really for us, the reason we bought this house in this location is because we love it here yeah. and we're really passionate about it. And, I love getting under the skin of a neighborhood. I love meeting local owners and um, staff members and just kind of picking people's brain about why they love it here too. And, and that I think will help us to make incredible recommendations for our guests. So I don't know long-term, of course I would, I, I'm really interested in real estate. I'm really interested in the hospitality component of what we do. Yeah. It's not just about the asset and appreciation. It's about hearing people coming to our home and getting to make their own memories here. Um, but I do think for myself, investing from my side, it does have to be places that I'm also personally passionate about. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's that's so smart. And, you know, it's I think that a lot of the folks that tune into this show kind of uh, uh, hear you and, and, and affirm that that's not always the advice that you get from from other people, um, because sometimes people right. are living in places and or want to travel to places that are not necessarily like the most affordable of markets. So if this is like right. purely an investment play, like sometimes that doesn't really make sense. But I, but at the end of the day, I think like for those who are trying to build a brand, uh, you really if you, if you care about your brand, you've got to really care about the place where your brand is expressed, right? Um, yeah, <laughs> otherwise, it's be really, really hard to do it genuinely. And when, whether you have one home or hundreds, you know, the brand is as important, right? Yeah. So we will build this as if it is a brand with one location. And if in the future there are many more, wonderful. And if not, you will still have that branded experience properly here. I love it. Um, well, Katie, this has been uh, such a such a pleasure. I am just I'm super just pumped that you made the time to to be on the show that, to share a little bit about your story, your history. I'm fascinated by it. I have so many more questions for you that I'll probably have to ask you offline at some point. But um, appreciate you coming on and, and sharing your story for folks that want to connect and or just ask you some uh, you know additional questions. What's the best way for them to reach out? Yeah, definitely. Our Instagram handle is at Trout Landing um, and our website is trout-landing.com. So would love to hear from people and even more importantly, would love to welcome you and your family and listeners as guests. Wonderful. We will add it to the list for sure. And I'll go ahead and link uh, your website and the Instagram handle in the show notes below. So if you want to connect with Katie, if you want to ask her about what it was like working in PR for some of the, the most well-known brands uh, in, in hospitality, I'm sure she's got some fun stories for you. If you want to book a stay at Trout Landing, you can also do so in the show notes below. Katie, thanks so much for the time. It's been It's been great. Thanks, Zach. I really appreciate it. Hey friends, hope you've enjoyed today's show. If you are an Airbnb host or know an Airbnb host who'd like to come on the show, please send me an email at Zach, Z-A-C-H, at spontaneous.com and we will chat. Behind the Stays is brought to you each week by Spontaneous, a carefully curated weekly newsletter that brings you the best last minute deals and upcoming steals on Airbnb. It's sort of like Scott's cheap flights, but for Airbnb. You can sign up once again for free at spontaneous.com. Last but certainly not least, I didn't believe in Marie Kondo's whole spark joy mantra until I started podcasting. Now, my joy is sparked every time I see a new subscriber roll in. 
So please hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And so you add a little spark to my joy fire today. Okay, that was kind of weird, but um, we're gonna roll with it. Subscribe um, and thanks in advance. All right, everyone, see you next time.